I was just trying your method of putting the headphone over both ears. My method? Yeah, that's the mic method, is if you wear the headphone over both ears, that's the mic method. The gray method is headphone over one ear when you're recording a podcast. I forgot about this. And I just tried it with both ears. It sounds awful. Awful in what way? Like, what's awful about it? It just sounds so weird. It doesn't sound like it's supposed to sound. I hate everything about this. Okay. I don't know. It's very distracting. It's it's less distracting. No, you don't hear anything else. You just hear your voice, my voice. I, I don't know. My voice is too big in my head this way i don't quite know how to describe it it's very strange wow you have to have one ear off yeah this is so much better okay i've gone back to my method because i can hear my voice through one ear Uh so i can listen for microphone problems Mm -hmm. and i can make sure that i'm close enough to the microphone but i'm also not distracted by the way my voice sounds on the microphone because i can actually just hear my voice the way it sounds when I'm normally talking. So that's why this is the superior method and the mic method is no good. Unnecessary amounts of information I'm giving you now in respect of the fact that maybe our entire audience will hear this, but Uh I believe that if you're still using any of the equipment that you've mentioned to me that you're using in the past, who could honestly tell? (laughs) A lot of these things, they have a dial. So like mine has a dial called pre and PC. And so I can adjust the balance between what's coming through the interface via USB, so from the computer, and what's coming in from the microphone. So you can adjust the balance. So less of me, more of you, and you can turn all the volume down and you'll be quieter in your own ears. Right, but that that doesn't change anything because if I just make my own voice quieter then, then I can't hear me at all because I can't hear me through the headphones. Right, but you don't need to make it so quiet that you can't hear yourself. You have an adjustment. <laughs> you have control of the adjustment. No, it's no. not like, you know, there is a lot of in the middle between those two things. No, 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 I know what you're saying. I have a dial here where I can turn my microphone down. I can do that. No, it's not turning your microphone down. No, I, I, but look, I can I can turn here. I, could, I can mess up all of your recordings by turning my microphone down. No, but that's not <laughs> why I'm asking you to do it. I don't think you're listening to me. <laughs> what I'm saying is, uh-huh. I believe your hardware probably the same as mine and if you're using that stupid travel gear again (laughs) you certainly don't mean the rode nt that i'm recording on right now (laughs) oh then who could tell that thing just throw out the window but if you're using any of the really expensive unnecessary gear that you've bought it would have dials on it to like adjust the balance it's not about turn your microphone down Mm -hmm. it turns down like the monitoring of your own microphone specifically look i understand what you're saying here mike i, I get you know, great because when you say i don't want to turn my microphone down that would suggest to me that you don't know what i'm saying <laughs> no but that would be what you're suggesting is even worse so i get it i leave the microphone volume up so that mm-hmm. i'm recording it and i turn the output of the microphone in my own headphones down so that i can I guess, I don't know, just barely hear my own voice. But that's what you wanted. You didn't want your voice to be so loud. No, but but if I can just barely hear my own voice, oh, it's great. crazy. You're the only it. person saying barely. I didn't say barely. <laughs> <laughs> I just said turn it down a bit. Yeah. Now you're like, oh, then I'm whispering in my own ears. I never said to do that. I, I just... <laughs> okay, no, okay, look, look, look. So... I have adjusted the the microphone ever so, you won't even notice Mike. I've adjusted the microphone ever so slightly so that my voice in my ears through the headphones only is about as loud as it sounds when I'm just talking, right? Okay. So it's, so I've got it that way. 
but it doesn't sound the same. Like your voice doesn't sound the same through a microphone than going into headphones. Right, but as this it does is okay. When, this okay. is one of those things where you have to... Okay, my suggestion is, in a way I think about this, sacrifice potentially my own comfort for the audience because mm-hmm. it does not matter how your voice sounds in your own room for this purpose. What matters is right. how your voice sounds whilst it's being recorded. No, I understand that. I, I just admire to me. I, I, would, I would be so distracted having just one ear to the wind, you know? No, it's one ear to your own voice. But the what's the other ear doing? The, the other ear is listening to you. What? You're coming in through the headphone that's on my ear, and then I take the other headphone off my opposite ear, and then I can hear my own voice through that ear. That's that's the gray method. Right, but, look, but, but that's thing. what I'm saying. I'm only in one of your ears, right? No, you're in. Well, well, if in the mic method, you're in both of my ears. Yeah, which is best. Okay, look, look, I'm I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it this episode. I'm going to try it the All mic right. way. You're going to get surround sound. So now Mike is in both of my ears. Mm-hmm. And even though I can hear my voice just fine, psychologically, it feels like talking in a very muted way somehow. Uh, it's it's very uncomfortable. But I'll, I'll, yeah, look, I'll, I'll try it. It I'll try is because you're not getting the room reverberation and stuff. Yeah. Which we don't want. You know, in the audio, so you, you got to think about the whole audio experience, right? No, no, but okay, but like switching between the mic version and the gray version doesn't mm-hmm. change whether or not there's room echo on the microphone. No, it doesn't. I think that you need to, like me, like step into the podcast. <laughs> you know, okay. both feet into the podcast. You know, like both ears in. We're both in. Right. We're in it now. We're making it. We are like now one and the same as the podcast in our real lives. Uh huh. You know, like so you just got to step in. Now we're inside the podcast together, the two of us now, along right. with everybody else. Right, but it, I'm just I'm talking in a way that just doesn't sound like my own voice now. So it's it's it, this now sounds like the person who does those videos and does this podcast. That's that's his voice, right? But that's the important thing for this, you know. <laughs> okay, so I, I just need to learn to talk with a new voice for this podcast. No, no, don't <laughs> don't like put on an accent or something. Just be normal. Okay. Being normal, commencing now. Look at me, just being normal. Look at me, I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> regular guy over here. Regular, regular Joe. Mm-hmm. Yep, just a just a person who doesn't have their own voice and is talking with a different sounding voice that's very close to, but not quite their actual voice. How could that be weird and different? It definitely isn't. This is all very normal. Have you ever looked into this? This seems like something you would have looked into. What? The idea of how our voices sound different to us than when they're recorded and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever looked looked into it? Like, I just wonder if this is the thing that you... Like, what do you mean? What are you, the reason? I think there's something about the echoing inside of your own skull or something I think I might have read once. Like, the way that you hear your own voice is different to how it actually sounds because in your own head, it like it's amplified different or something. Yeah, yeah, your your own like your own voice is being transmitted partly through your skull to your inner ear. Right. It also just makes sense the way sound works, right? That the mm. sound comes out of your mouth, so you're you're never hearing the way you are directing sound, and different frequencies fall off at different rates. So there's a bunch of reasons why it totally makes it. It's not like a weird psychological phenomenon. It's a it's a physics phenomenon. Because what I like specifically about the microphone I use mm-hmm. right now is called the Neumann KMS 105 is a professional grade microphone is when I listen back 
I sound like how I sound to me. That's what I like about this microphone. Hmm. It sounds how I hear my own voice sounding, and it feels natural to me. That's why I like this microphone so much. Maybe this is why I can handle the two-ear mic method. Neumann U87, is that what you said? No, Neumann KMS105. It should oh. be, Gray, the microphone you are speaking into, unless you've decided to change that again. Uh, wait, sorry, what microphone am I supposed to Oh my God, are you be? being serious with me right now? Have you just changed microphone again? I don't know if we need to discuss this on air, Mike. <laughs> don't wait, because you seem to bring it up a lot. Have you changed microphone again? Wait, wait, well, um, here's the problem. I think the, the, the answer is yes. But I don't remember ever, ever being suggested this microphone. This is the first time I'm ever hearing of this Neumann KMS 104. What microphone are you using? Okay, well, so for the past two years, I've been using a completely different microphone. But I I switched last episode to a new microphone, and I just didn't tell you about it. I'm using the, uh, what is it? It's the, it says here on the side. It's the Shure SM SM58. That's the one I have in front of me right now. Why have you done this? Uh, it was in my box of microphones. What were you using before? Previously, I was using the Shure SM7B microphone. Does that mean anything to you immediately? Yeah, no, I know what it is. <laughs> okay, I, th- I thought you might. So I I've been using that for the last... I don't know, since the pandemic started, I think. I think I got that from my home office setup when I was doing a bunch of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I switched to that a long time ago. And only just recently, as in with the last vacation trip that I took, decided that microphone is just more of a pain in the butt than it's worth. I do think it sounds really good, but it's too fiddly. And it's particularly fiddly with having to change settings between going back and forth between recording something for me to use in the video and recording for us talking like i just it doesn't matter why i can't keep the same settings for both of those situations they have to be different i am convinced that there was a point where i got you using the same microphone i use i've never heard of this microphone before in my life But here's here's the thing, Mike. You're not wrong. There is a non-zero chance that at some point I was using this microphone and I just totally forgot. I don't remember. It looks like the one you're currently using. Do you want me to rummage around in my box of microphones on air and see if this microphone is in there? Honestly, if you have all of your microphones in one place, then yes, I I want you to see if you have a microphone in that box that has a little red label on the side that says Neumann. Because now I feel like I'm the one who's losing their mind. Okay, hold on a second. I just I just need to take my headphones off to grab it. But within within eyesight, I have a little box that I keep all my audio equipment in. So let me just grab it. Do you, though? Do you keep it all in one place? I just can't imagine you keep it all in one place. Ugh. Okay, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Headphones on and the mic method. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think this is, this is a little bit. I'm trying to. I keep trying to think of ways to describe this. This feels a bit like when you have a cold and your voice sounds weird. Everything about this sure. mic method is terrible. Okay, so I have I have this microphone box. It's a smallish shoebox. So let's. What a great place to keep all this expensive gear. Just a shoebox. Do you? Where do you put it? By the radiator? By the leaky like tap in the corner? Where does it go? Uh, well, look, I have it all in one spot. See, so mm-hmm. I've got all, I've got my little Zoom recorders. I've got a bunch of aux cables. Oh, I have, I have a spare one of those Lightning to three point five millimeter cables. Oh, we'll be talking about those later on. Yeah, which is without a doubt the product that Apple makes the largest margins on of anything they sell. Uh-huh. That is outrageous. 
Oh, there's another microphone in here. Okay. At the at the bottom of the shoebox. No, but it's not it's not this one. So it's the Shure Beta 87C. Okay. You There are no more microphones? There are no more microphones in my audio box now. Mike, uh, can I just be just be clear here for a second? Are are you wanting me to buy another microphone to swap out and to use on the podcast? Is that At what you're saying? Point, Is that what no, you're suggesting? Because I've I I am convinced that I made you do that. Like I strongly suggested mm-hmm. that you get the same microphone as me because it's very reliable. Hmm. And I am convinced that you bought this microphone and have used it. Because I remember this being a thing of like, oh, Gray's audio is so much better now because I made him get the good microphone. Hmm. This is a thing that has happened. And then what I expect has happened over time is you've moved around to whatever you've moved around, but you're in the, the monolith now, which is going to make pretty much any half-decent microphone sound good because it's so s- horrifically <laughs> sound-deafening inside of that thing. Ugh. Every time I think about what it's like to stand inside of that little construction you've built for yourself, it's like even I can't even hear myself thinking there. It's horrible. It's so funny. I have become completely immune to the difference between the rooms where even when I am not in the middle of my recording setup, it's just in my home office. But my wife just does not want to spend more than a second necessary in my home office because of how physically uncomfortable she feels with just the amount of sound editing equipment that's in here. I'm convinced that I convinced you to buy this microphone, and now now I feel like something has, bad has happened to me, that I can't, that this is, seems to not be the case. I, I don't, don't think know. this has happened. There's no record of us talking about our audio setups at any point in time yeah, on the show. So Yeah, but the thing is, though, is I, I feel like you would hide things from me. What? That's outrageous. As it's been proven... Right, so like I could say to you, get this microphone, and you go okay, right, and then never do it. In the sense of like, I just found out that inexplicably you changed microphone two episodes ago. Hang on a minute. What? Hang on a minute. Two episodes ago? Or no, the last episode. Last episode is the is the mm, one I swapped. All right, it. you knew what I was going to say then. Didn't no, no, no. You? <laughs> okay, no. but so that was that was actually okay. So two episodes ago, Mike was really annoyed about a small buzzing on the line in my recording, mm-hmm. which I think was caused by my backup recorder being too physically close to the actual microphone. And what I didn't tell you was that was one of the final straws for switching away from the Shure SM7B microphone. For our poor podcast listeners, that microphone that I'm talking about is the one where if you have seen any interview show on YouTube where someone is talking to someone else, they all use that microphone. all video podcasts with a set. Yes. have these microphones. Every single one of them uses And I it. don't know why, because that microphone is a real pain. This is known. And also as well, the SM7B only works with certain people's voices. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound great for most people. It's a... I don't know what Sure have done. I, I think it's like the professional look of it. Like, it yes. looks like, yeah. a, like a professional microphone, so everyone just gets it. Like, it's weird. I got it at the start of the pandemic, partly because I had seen a ton of people using it, right? I was Mm. completely influenced by seeing other people use it. I got it. I tried it out. I did like it better with my voice. And so I did keep it. But I am convinced, uh, especially after my two years of what a pain in the butt this microphone is and how finicky it can be, 
I'm convinced that the physical look of it is a huge reason why on every podcast that has a video component, you see it. Because otherwise, like the microphone I'm using right now, you know, microphone arm. Oops, uh, let me not let me not bump everything. (laughs) (laughs) Bang! (laughs) No problem here. (laughs) If you're trying to do an interview with two people and you're visually recording it, microphone arms are big chunky equipment Mm -hmm. and i just i think it can look a little weird to then have a dinky microphone on the end of it like the microphone i'm using now is just a regular little microphone it's the one thing i don't like about my amazing microphone it looks like a singer's microphone Mm -hmm. yes i don't like that yeah I, i i totally get that so I suspect that's the reason why everyone uses it. But anyway, the the thing that really put me over the edge is when I did my graycation and obviously to record the audio for the interstate video, I was not going to bring that giant chunky Shure SM7B with me while traveling. So I just took my travel microphone, which is this, the 58, which looks like a little singer's microphone. And it's been a long time since I recorded a video in a travel location and having done that i thought this is totally fine like i don't know why i thought oh let me try to squeeze out the last three percent of audio quality with a microphone that is 10 times more annoying than a simpler microphone so that was that was really the final final thing that made me say what the heck am i doing i'm going to just stop using this giant chunky microphone and i'm going to go back to something simpler i recorded a very popular video with this simpler microphone and nobody noticed or cared it makes no difference to any of the viewers so the sm58 is a great like it's a great microphone. I've used them a bunch. The reason I don't use the SM58 is it makes me sound a little too bassy. Like I, we used to use them hmm. for, I believe, I'm pretty sure we used to use the SM58s for live stuff. And I think I have one here as well. Like for if I would go traveling, I would take an SM58. I hmm. think that's the one I would have. I do a bit of post-processing on my voice, particularly for the videos to debase them so it sounds clearer. So I, mm-hmm. can, I can completely understand that it, it can make someone's voice sound a bit too bassy. Anyway, this is microphone talk. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what has happened. I don't know why this microphone has disappeared. I never had this microphone. I never had this one. But I also don't believe that that box contains every microphone you've ever owned. I guarantee you it does. I guarantee you it does. No, because you used to use a really bad microphone. Oh, wait. Every microphone I've ever owned? Yeah, because I just think that you've, you've, you've used the one that I asked you to buy. I mean, sure. I, yeah, I don't I don't have my old uh, Yeti Blue microphone yeah. in this box. Like some of the old microphones I've gotten rid of. But mm. no, this never happened, Mike. This was all in your head. I feel like I'm talking so loud into oh. this microphone because I can't hear myself. It's what like, is this show am, now? Am I crazy? What are we doing? Do I sound like I'm so much louder to you? I feel like no, I'm, of course you don't. It's like I'm deaf in my own head, but I can still like one hear of those me. Things where like what is it? Like it's like object impermanence in babies. Like because you're hearing yourself louder, you think you're louder to me. Like now I'm like, oh, he's too loud. To Turn him down. No, I, f- I feel like I feel like I'm straining my voice talking to you because I'm I'm now trying to hear my own voice. Gray. Yeah. Just take the headphone off. No, I re- I refuse to do this now. No, well, then stop complaining. Stop complaining. You know, do one or the other. 
No, I'm going to do, do it your way, and I'm going to complain. I feel like complain. I should just give up, you know? <laughs> like, I feel like people have been listening to me over the last maybe 18 months, I think. Uh-huh. Just like every episode, some level of despair. And now just like the pure fundamentals of what I believed <laughs> was the audio gear is not true anymore. So I don't even know, you know, like at this point, why do I put all this emotional energy into just trying to make sure that my podcast co-host has a halfway competent setup or a reliable one or isn't just changing gear on me left, right and center, you know? Mm-hmm. So I should just give up on it. But I feel like if I give up, you'll give up from whatever it is you're currently doing, and then you just use like an iPhone headset or something, you know? No, no, I, I would never do something like that. I, I want high quality for the recording. That, that's why I have all, all this equipment. If you want high quality, I'm going to send you a link later on. You buy the microphone that I, want you to, that you, I already know you've bought, and then you can have another one. You want me to buy a... Oh, you, I was like, you want me to buy a duplicate of the one I have now and record with two microphones? But no, you want me to record with this... Neumann KMS 105. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll consider it. Or just find the one that you already bought. I, I didn't buy one of these. <laughs> just find it. C- can you search your email? God damn it. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me search my email. Just search Neumann. N-E-U-M-A-N-N. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it. I got it. No, you don't. How do you know you got it? Was that how you would have spelt Neumann? Yeah, John von Neumann. Like that, I know Who's Neumann. That? now who's this character <laughs> okay you, you google for john von neumann and i'm gonna look up this, uh, this <laughs> km 184 neumann microphone <laughs> we have real things to talk about today why are we doing this john von neumann was a hungarian american mathematician physicist computer scientist engineer and yeah. polymath probably one of the smartest human beings who's ever lived oh, right. probably i don't know developed the neumann microphone and uh, anyway, I've got zero hits in my email for um, Neumann. But can your email be trusted anyway? Probably not. <laughs> Look, Mike, what is true? No uh, one knows. No one knows. Talking about mathematician, I found out yesterday that the Romanian word for mathematician is matematician, and I think that's very funny. Why? It just it sounds very funny to me, mathematician. It sounds cute. Yeah, I like it a lot. It sounds like this isn't going to be as funny for you particularly, but from math, mathematics, and mathematician, it's uh, mati and then matematica and matematician. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a Pokemon evolution, and I find that very, <laughs> it I find that very adorable. I found this out yesterday. It does. It does sound like a Pokemon mm-hmm. evolution. On to the show. <laughs> Jeez. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. During this great reshuffle, a record number of employees are considering switching jobs, and so now's your chance to try and attract them. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you connect with the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to Spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. With simple tools like screening questions, making it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, you're able to quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And why would you try anywhere else? LinkedIn has everyone already there. The person you are waiting to find is already there on LinkedIn. They have wonderful 
powerful tools to make it so easy for you to be able to filter through your applicants. You can even do it on the go with their wonderful mobile app. Super awesome stuff. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Cortex. That's linkedin.com slash Cortex to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about our travel bags because we're going on trips. Yes, you are going to Tennessee. Yep. And I am going to the other side of the earth. So we we have trips in front of us. So you're going to be in Hawaii for the next year? <laughs> no. No, okay. I, I'm Sorry. going to be in Hawaii for just barely over eight weeks. That's wow. how long I'm going to be in Hawaii. It's going to be a real great vacation for you. Uh, well... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just messing around, you know. My reasoning here was going to Hawaii for a short period of time is significantly worse than going for a long period of time because the jet lag back and forth and yep. adjusting, I was like... Man, if I go to Hawaii for 10 days, that is going to just completely destroy like a month's worth of work. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather just like, okay, let's go for a long time. And then I can, I mean, this is the plan anyway, hopefully actually get real work done while I'm in Hawaii. That's the idea. That's part of the reason why it ended up being such a long trip is... If I'm going to the other side of the earth, it is not going to be for a short period of time. It is going to be for a long period of time. Because you're doing family stuff. Right? It's not like you're not just going to be sitting on a beach drinking Mai Tais for six weeks or whatever. Oh, no. no, Yeah, no. This is this is entirely a family trip. Like that. Yeah. That is the reason for this trip. There has been scheduled like a rota of family members who are coming in and out over this whole period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is uh, after... All of this time to finally catch up on a bunch of family mm. stuff that has been delayed for literally years because of yeah. the pandemic. So that is the big Hawaii trip. And that's why there's a lot of logistics around this. But yes, it, it also does make it an interesting experiment and challenge to think about how am I going to be working on that trip. But you are doing a much shorter trip. Much shorter. Yeah. Magnitude shorter, I think. We're uh, <laughs> just going to be away for eight days. So like every year, me and my co-founder, the Real FM co-founder, Stephen Hackett, we would get together every year. Just spend time together, go mm -hmm. over some business stuff, but really just be in each other's company. It's like an important thing. You know, he's one of my very best friends on the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to be in his company, but also we work together, right? Like, we've run this thing together for seven years, eight years. I don't know. Oh, Who man. could tell at this point? And no we one. like to get together and, like, just go over stuff. And being in each other's company, new ideas would just form naturally. Like, it became, like, a really important part of our year to spend that time together. Well, we obviously haven't done it since 2019. Mm -hmm. I think this has been the longest time that we have not seen each other since we first met. Wow. Like, I think from us first, like, having an interaction online to me going to Memphis for the first time, which is a shorter period of time than it has been since, I think I last saw him in September. It's the first podcast-a-thon. That was the last time we saw each other. Mm -hmm. Which, that feels like eons ago. <laughs> yeah. Podcast-a-thon yes. one. Yeah, so I'm really excited. We're going to... 
speaking of which, I'm going to be going and seeing the team at St. Jude, and we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff together because I haven't seen any of them for ages, right? For two years or whatever, and we've been working together on this project for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I'm genuinely really excited about it. I, I cannot wait for this trip. But because we are both going on trips at about the same time, I thought it would be nice to look again at our travel bag situation. Now, mm-hmm. I know we first spoke about, like it gave like an in-depth look at what we put in our bags all the way back in January 2016 for episode 20. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if we've ever covered it since. So Yeah, I, I don't feel like we have. And also, frankly, I'm hoping to crib from you a little bit because I have felt just bizarrely <laughs> panicked still okay. about like this isn't good then because I was hoping that you were going to come in here and <laughs> give me a bunch of great ideas right. but that's that's how I like I, I okay so I know that I went to America right like yeah. I, I did that whole trip to Cherokee but I have this mental feeling like I don't know, like I was like like a cartoon character with just like bits falling off and just just like looking crazy and not having anything in order for that trip. Mm. It felt very slapdash for what is my actual equipment. I've tried to do something a little bit better for this time, but I was thinking, oh, great. Mike is going to tell me a bunch of stuff. Okay. And I well, can then just my hope now is him. maybe between the two of us. We, right. Between, between two internet professionals, we can assemble a backpack, a halfway decent bag. <laughs> All right. Let's try to do that. The problem is, and I think we touched on this a little while before, mm-hmm. late last year when we both did some traveling, is during our long stint of no travel, and I, I knew a lot of people did this, they like slowly dismantled their travel bag. You like mm-hmm. grab a dongle from here, grab a cable from here. Mm-hmm. And then also at the same time, the, our needs changed, mm-hmm. but the travel bag stayed like in stasis, right? Yes. So like one of the things that changed is USB-C just became more and more prevalent. And yeah. we both came to this decision, like many people, I'm sure, listen to this show. I just don't want USB-A in my life anymore for as much as I can have it. I'm mm-hmm. going to start replacing all my cables. So like this was when I then started traveling again, I realized that is an untenable way to live if you're traveling. So I'll tell you the big thing that I noticed was I was going to hotels and I would get the cables out of my bag and I would need, say, on the bedside table, at least one cable for my phone to charge one cable for my apple watch to charge right Mm -hmm. all hotels have usb a ports now it feels like Mm -hmm. so going all usb c that tends to not work because then i can only plug one thing in at a time because all seems like all hotel have like all hotels just have like one plug socket by the bed and then Mm -hmm. they have usb sockets so that doesn't work so now in my travel kit i do have one usb a to lightning cable so I can charge my phone from just the USB port in the wall and then plug my Apple Watch in or something like that. That might honestly be my top tip for someone who is trying to get back to thinking about traveling again. Make sure that you're at least keeping one USB-A to something cable around so you can take advantage of the old technology that's now embedded into hotel walls. Because uh, that's not going to change for a really long time. Like how sometimes you go to hotels and they have alarm clocks with the 30-pin iPod dock connector on them. Yes, I always like that's that. still a thing. So USB A is not going away in those scenarios for a really long time. Okay, yeah. So you mentioning USB C, 
did feel like for me in the past few days of trying to get ready for this trip, which is coming up alarmingly fast, Mm -hmm. realizing, okay, USB-C is the main change about this. And years ago when I was traveling and trying to build for myself a consistent, like, okay, how is everything going to work? Oh, I know. I'll have a hub of USB-A plugins that I can put on the desk and I can have like eight slots. Won't that be great? I can plug everything in and Mm -hmm. just run one wire to the wall. And I just imagined that our USB-C future would be like that, but it just isn't because there's no charger like that. There's no hub like that where you can take one USB-C cable and turn it into eight plugs, which is still very frustrating. I feel like, hey, could someone could just make that? Even if each one of those slots only did 10 watts, I would be very happy, but that doesn't exist. So for me, trying to plan this trip, the place where it actually started is what is the thing that is going to do the charging? And so what I did is I thought, okay, I have a bunch of these USB-C plugs for the wall, but it's incredibly frustrating that most of them only have a single USB-C cable. Mm -hmm. I thought there must be ones that exist with multiples. I want to find something that I can use for travel. I want something that's relatively small. I went on Amazon and ordered like, 10 different versions of these things to try Uh and i'm sending to you now this is my number one pick for traveling i found this little wall charger called the mini x so this is a relatively small wall charger it has two usb-c outputs that go up to 65 watts it has a usb a slot and you can swap out the front of it for US plugs and UK plugs. This is good. This is this must be a GAN. Yeah, this is a GAN. What's a GAN? Gallium nitride, G-A-N technology. Anchor used this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a more efficient way to charge, which is why these things can be so small. Hmm. I never really thought about what's inside. Presumably it's a it must be a transformer that doesn't heat up too much, I'm guessing. I don't know. All I can tell you is it's gallium nitride. <laughs> That's okay. all I know. <laughs> I can tell you nothing more. I was just wildly speculating. I know nothing about the technology. So this is the core of my traveling. And mm. because this has always been the problem of what are you going to plug actual wires into? I do always want to be able to have chargers that I can just switch between EU, UK, and US. Yeah, this does make this one a bit of a winner because I like Anchor's products Mm -hmm. for this stuff and they make a lot of similar products. I try and, but you know what I'm like, I try and not go with companies that I don't already know and trust in some way. Yeah. And I've never heard of Mini X until now, which makes me a little bit like, "Mm, I'm not sure. But I, I, I don't know if I've found an Anchor product like this, which has the ease of swapping out the uh, the plug adapters for different locations. That's that's a bit of a winner on this one. Yeah. So I bought a bunch of them off of Amazon mm-hmm. so that I, I can have them. And that's what I'm building my whole system around. Now, I'm using this for everything, right? I just okay. want to have a plug. So 65 watts is not fast enough to charge my laptop when it's running at full capacity. But I've played around with it and I've tested it out and it's like, I can still render out a video using this lower power cable and it's fine. Like the battery runs down, but that machine is still good enough that I can get to the end of the video with 
tons of margin on the actual like bottoming out. So there, there's no problem with that. And then it will just slowly build back up charge over time right. because the machine normally isn't actually running at over 65 watts. So this is my base. And for me in particular, the important thing is that everything in my life is USB-C now, except for a single thing that I can't get rid of which is the electric toothbrush that I use charges with a USB-A plug on the end. And so that's why this is also great for me because there is one slot for that USB-A where I can still plug in my old electric toothbrush. And so this is perfect. Well, what's on the other end of the electric toothbrush? The toothbrush. Oh, okay. Because I have a toothbrush which you can charge it with like a USB mini or something in the mm. case. Right, right, yes. And so I, I just could swap that over from C to mini. But No, the, the one that I use, it charges in the case, and the case has to be plugged into a USB-A connector. Um, right. So this now covers all of my needs. I'm very happy to have found it. And I'm going to be taking, I don't know, some between my wife and I, I think we're going to have like five of these with us this on the thing? trip. Yeah. I'm really tempted by it. I can give you a long-term report later on after I've... We can see if it holds up in hot and humid Hawaii or if, if it dies under those conditions, which yeah. in my experience, many electronics do. So here's my biggest issue with my travel situation is the charging cables and bricks. Mm -hmm. So at the moment... I have two kind of pouches that I'm using. They're both from Bellroy, which is a company that I like. I previously mentioned I use one of their bags as my daily bag. It's the tote pack that they mm -hmm. have. I really like their stuff. I have a wallet of theirs. Like It's just really nice. Nicely made, nicely designed. And I use the Bellroy tech kit and the Bellroy pouch. Now, ideally, I just want to use the tech kit. But I have a couple of issues that are preventing me from doing so. So one is the obscene size of the MacBook Pro charging brick. Uh-huh. Right? That thing is massive. And I want to have it with me for the reason that you have described, where, like, I mean, it's unlikely that I'm going to be pushing it at full power, but mm -hmm. I don't want to... I don't want to be in a situation where I have like 20% battery life and I need to sit down and record a view and it's not charged and it just won't keep charge, right? Yeah, that's understandable. And then the other part is just how big UK plug adapters can be physically. Mm -hmm. They're large and they're bulky. And so the combination of that with Apple's whole package makes it really large. So then when I'm at the point where I've got to take a couple of these bricks with me because I want like my... A charger for my iPhone, say, and a charger for my Mac. And then I've got like a bunch of cables and maybe an adapter or two mm -hmm. because I like to make sure I have enough adapters for me and Adina. Like if she doesn't have something, like I'd be like, don't worry, I've got like, you know, we've got an adapter, we can sort it out. Mm -hmm. It's all too much to go in one of these pouches, but I only want one pouch mm. because so in the Bellroy Tech Kit, I have basically the minimum amount of cables that I need. And then the MacBook Pro charger and maybe like one other smaller charger. But then in the little pouch is where I have a few more cables. I have some international adapters. I have a HDMI cable, which is actually pretty useful. And I also have the AirPods Max cable, which is that thing that we were referencing earlier. Mm -hmm. But I really want to be able to compress these down to just one pouch. But I have yet to find a way that I can efficiently do this while also feeling like I have everything covered. Mm-hmm. 
This is just like a problem that I'm having at the moment. So I'm hoping that maybe if this thing, if these little guys are nice and powerful, then maybe that would work for me enough. I don't know. I'm not looking for a solution here because I actually don't think there is one. I think the way to solve this is I need to just pare it all down and hope that it will be enough. Mm-hmm. But I just don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah, this is always the problem with traveling mm-hmm. is you want to minimize the amount of equipment that you need. But then that always has the risk of, oh, you don't have enough of yep. whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's worse to not have enough. Even on my uh, most recent vacation where I was just working, I thought I was totally fine with the number of USB-C wires that I had just for things. But it's always like, no, no, you underestimate how many wires you're actually going to need at any particular moment. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just very easy to do. And then that is super frustrating to be on a trip and like swapping stuff back and forth and just making your life way more annoying. But I don't have a, a good tech pouch. So you like the Bellroy tech oh, kit? Oh, I love this thing. It's okay. great. Well, I am on Amazon right now. Yeah, they have them on Amazon. They have an Amazon store. So here's the biggest thing for me. I know that I could make this easier for myself Mm -hmm. if I got rid of one thing. But getting rid of this one thing, I feel like I have to accept a bunch of other things. What's the one thing? It is whether I take an external battery on trips anymore or not. Oh, Mike. Mike, I suggest that you don't. But tell me what you're thinking here. So I have, have, I just replaced my battery because I took my battery out of the bag and it's swollen a little bit. And I was like, oh, time, <laughs> time to, to say goodbye to you, my friend, and replace you. So I now own an Anchor Power Bank Power Core 3 Elite. Whoa, that's a, that is a serious name there. But again, this is like one of those huge chunky batteries. Like it, it's got 65 watts power delivery. You know, it could charge my entire laptop and life for two days. Because here's the thing. I don't remember the last time I used one of these, mm-hmm. right? Like I've had one in my bag for years, like even before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I had not used one of these things in forever because it's actually becoming easier and easier and easier to find power on trips at the same time when the batteries of my devices are getting better. Mm-hmm. Like my iPhone, I can go across the world now and as long as I have it on low power mode and put it into airplane mode and I'm on the plane... It will last the entire time, my iPhone. Like, I have no problem with that anymore. But my concern with this, this feels like one of those times where as soon as I stop taking it, (laughs) next trip, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be stuck somewhere and I need, you know, like, this is the issue with this one. It's like I have to, I feel if I can let this go, I can probably condense enough with a little bit of swapping around for each trip. Like, because in that little pouch where I have, like, adapters, like, I just keep all of my Europe and U.S. adapters just in that pouch and just keep it in my bag. Mm-hmm. But if I was to just take the ones I needed for each trip, then I would probably be able to then put it all into the one tech kit if I didn't take the external battery anymore. Then I would be happier. But then I'm taking a gamble, you know? I have a lot of sympathy for you in this situation. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're tempting the universe to cause you a problem. Mm -hmm. I think about that with a lot of different situations where if you find yourself in a moment where you're thinking, yeah, it'll probably be fine. I think it's good to 
anthropomorphize the universe mm-hmm. as a thing which goes, oh yeah, this is the time that the bad thing is going to happen. We'll now. see about that, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of situations where I, I think this is this is really the case that I'm not saying it's true, but I'm saying that I believe it that, say, if you did something like, oh, today I'm going to drive my car and I'm not going to wear a seatbelt. Now, mathematically, has the chance of you getting into an accident gone up? No, it hasn't. But I believe that it has. I believe that the universe looks at you and goes huh, well, isn't that funny, right? Like, that's how I think the universe operates. Let me give you my feeling on this. Mm -hmm. I have that in the back of my mind too, like, you you know, you're tempting fate. But what I know for me is if I was in a situation and didn't have power but did have the battery pack with me and it's just imagine it even ran out, it's like, well, there's nothing I can do about this. I tried my best. But if I was in a situation where I had made a choice and then the thing happened to me, I get angry at myself. That's my biggest problem. Right, okay. Where I'm like, if I cannot blame myself, well, there's nothing, you know, I could just blame the universe and like, I don't feel so bad about it. If mm. I have the opportunity to like, blame myself, then it's a lot worse for me. Hmm. Okay, well, that's your problem. I th- that's I... my problem, yeah. <laughs> I don't agree with that conceptually. But conceptually, you do agree with the idea that the universe is against you? Against is too strong. Like, Out to get you? <sighs> Likes to tease you. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> the universe is cruelly indifferent. Right. That's what the universe is. And I just believe that part of its mechanism is engage in risky behavior and the chance of disaster goes up. Okay. The day you leave your house with the phone on low charge because you think, oh, I'm just going to run this short errand is the day that you get swept up into some big thing where you definitely need your phone on full charge. That's mm-hmm. just how the universe works. Mm-hmm. All of this is a preface to say, even I, very cautious man, have made the decision that carrying these extra battery packs are no longer worth it. This was one of the things that I cut in trying to put together my own travel for this time. As I was going, you know what? This is not worth it. Okay. I'm going to do it. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to go home today Mm -hmm. when we're done. And I'm going to remove that from the tech kit. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything possible to get all of my stuff inside of that one tech kit. Great. And as an extra bonus here... Now, if you are in a situation when you are traveling mm-hmm. and you run out of charge, you can blame me instead of blaming oh, yourself. 100% that was what tipped me over. <laughs> you saying it was like, great, I can blame Gray now. <laughs> and then also the other thing I'll have is, oh, and if I do get in this situation, at least it'll be a funny story for the show. <laughs> so, you know, it'll benefit me somehow. To anyone out there who is still traveling with one of these things, you can let it go and you can blame Gray. Now, with all that said... What I haven't told you is that I did replace this with something, which is I am bringing Apple's weirdest product ever created, which is their little extra battery that goes Ah, on the back of the phone. The MagSafe battery pack. Yes, the MagSafe battery pack, a product that I find completely baffling in almost every respect. But my calculation here is really the only thing 
that you absolutely can't have run out of charge that you want to have a backup for is the actual phone. That's that's the critical mm. point of failure. Everything else can survive. And Apple's little MagSafe battery pack thing is way smaller and way lighter than any of these external batteries. And you can just slide it somewhere in your backpack and just totally forget about its existence. So well, I do have one of these that I'm bringing along with me. This only works if you don't put a pop socket directly on the back of your phone, like I do. Yes, but I think you should rephrase this in your mind as... This is the emergency backup for your phone has totally run out. And in that situation, it's going to be worth it to take your pop socket off, right? Or or mm. even if you have some funny case, to take the funny case off and use this. That's what this is. It's the fallback. It would be easier if I had the case, right? But yeah, I can understand. Like, this would be like so bad, remove the pop socket. Here's what I'm not going to get one of these because mm-hmm. I feel like I understand the trip enough that I'm not worried too much and I won't be on my own, right? Yeah. You know, most of the places where I could imagine being in these situations is like travel hubs. Mm-hmm. And most travel hubs these days have these types of products available for you to buy for this exact reason, right? Yeah. Every airport has the ability for you to buy a little power bank. So I'm just saying like that would be my in case of emergency type situation. I do like what you're saying. If I had the ability, if I, if it was more convenient for me to charge one of those things, I would, I would get one. But mm-hmm. I am gonna go this time. No power bank. We have one of these in the house because an unspecified member of the house often neglects to keep her phone their, charged less, up. Their, their their phone, right? <laughs> yes, we're not we're not specifying. Remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> An unspecified member of the house neglects to keep their phone charged up. And when the charging fairy isn't always on top of his job of (laughs) making sure that the phone is charged, uh, we can be in a situation where this unspecified person needs to go somewhere and the phone is at 3%. So I keep in my office always fully charged up and plugged in one of these uh, extra Apple MagSafe batteries so it can just be grabbed at any moment and brought out. I will just say, I appreciate that Apple made this product. This is a way better idea than every year having a different case. Yes, I agree with that. That also always took them like six or seven months to even make. That was the same with this one, though. Like The phone was out with MagSafe for the best part of a year before they introduced the MagSafe battery pack. But the difference is, now that MagSafe is an existing thing, Mm -hmm. presumably you'll be able to use this same case on the next phone, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's not the situation where, oh, you're just out of luck for a battery case for six months. This will last multiple years. Yeah, so... I'm very glad they made it, but I do just find it such a strange product. And and the number one thing that drives me crazy is why doesn't it have a USB-C connector on it? It should have a USB-C connector. And then this way, oh, look, you can charge your phone, whether you have a lightning cable and you can plug it into the phone or a USB-C connector and plug it into this. Every time I use it, it's baffling to me and I can't. Like, I psychologically cannot remember that this is a lightning device. And it's such a strange decision on Apple's part. But this is the world that we are in. There are two cables. There's USB-C. And then there's lightning for an annoying amount of iPhone peripherals in a whole bunch of ways that they don't need to be. And is very annoying for cable management, especially when traveling. 
This episode is brought to you by FitBod. Between balancing work, family, and everything else you've got going on in your life, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. So what you need is a program that will work with you, not against you, and that's why you need FitBod. FitBod has an algorithm. This algorithm is super smart. It's going to learn about you and your goals and your training ability, and it's going to craft a personalized exercise plan that is unique to just you. And their app makes it so easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. This is something super important to me. I want to make sure that I'm being careful, that I'm doing things the right way. And what I love about FitBod is their wonderful HD video tutorials. They shoot these from multiple angles, so you can make sure that you're learning every exercise properly. This is super cool. I love this feature. I also love that it integrates with my Apple Watch. So as I'm working out, I can move things along. So I can say like, oh, I want to go to the next exercise, the next exercise. It's really great. I don't have to be on my phone if I don't want to. Personal fitness isn't just about competing with other people. You don't want to have to look to others and try and stack up against them doing what they're doing. What you need is something that's going to work for you. That's when it sticks and when you'll see the results that you're looking for. So FitBoard will use data to create and adjust your own dynamic fitness plan so you can have instant access to your own personalized routine in their fantastic app. Everybody's path is different. That's why FitBod does so much work to make sure that they customize things exactly to you. They make sure to learn from your last workout so your next will be even better whether you work out twice a day or twice a week. FitBod even tracks your muscle recovery to make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership right now by signing up at fitbod.me slash cortex. And you'll get 25% off your membership when you do. That's fitbod.me slash cortex. So go now and get your customized fitness plan one last time, fitbod.me slash cortex. A thanks to FitBod for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so we've spoken about dongles and dongle bags in our travel bag section without actually talking about the travel bags themselves. This is like another thing for me where I'm a little frustrated at my bag. Okay. So I use and have continued to use, I mean, I've had this bag for a long time now, the Peak Design Backpack. Okay, which one of the Peak Design ones though? Okay, so I have the small one and I have the previous generation one. Are you? But do you mean the, uh, the everyday, everyday backpack? Okay, yeah. It's the sorry, that's backpack. the other thing yeah. that's changed. Is now they have a million bags. When, <laughs> when I bought this, Peak Design had one bag, right? Okay, it was one right. backpack, I should say, and it was the everyday backpack. Um, and they've made some tweaks to the everyday backpack. Like they've changed some of the inside organization and stuff. Like they've they've changed that around a little bit mm-hmm. in the modern version of it. But it's by and large the same bag. The frustration I have is I really like this bag. Like mm-hmm. the construction of the bag, the way that you get in and out of the bag. Like I like all that stuff. It's just I wished I had a little more space. Mm-hmm. But I don't want the bigger one because mm-hmm. that looks like a really big bag. Yeah. So this is the frustration that I have at the moment, which is my current bag, I want a little more space. However, that may be made better if I can actually do what I want to do and combine all the dongle bags into one little pouch right yeah maybe that will help but i wish i just had a little bit more yeah so i have the same backpack okay you can see it in some of my vlogs like i I love this bag i think it is fantastic for very many reasons the main one for me is the side accessibility the way that you can just 
unzip it from the side and mm-hmm. instantly get access to everything that's in there. That's one of those features I feel like I never knew that I wanted it. And now I can't unsee needing this feature in every backpack that I'm yeah. ever going to use. Yeah. Like, it's just so great. I love being able to just throw this thing on a table sideways, open it up, and also be able to open it up from either side, which, again, mm-hmm. is surprisingly useful under some circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you 100%. I really like Peak Design as a company. They have a bunch of just great stuff. Also on my own travel list is it took me forever to find a um, a new iPhone case. And I totally love their new iPhone case. They're like MagSafe adapter one. It's amazing. Like they're just, they're a really great company. Oh, did that come out? Yes. Yeah. That was a Kickstarter project and it, yeah, because I remember being concerned about that project because they announced it like a week before the iPhone shipped to MagSafe. Yeah, so so they adapted it so that it's MagSafe compatible. Like I can yeah. use the battery with that case. Okay. It's fantastic. That's cool. Oh, also, I didn't realize for you, one of the reasons you might like it is the case has a little loop on the back of it that you can put your fingers through. Mm. So for me, this has replaced the pop socket. Yeah, but I don't like cases on my phones anymore either. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't want a case, then then. That's... When you said that, my ears perked up, but mm-hmm. then I remembered I prefer to have no case on my phone now. Okay. This is one of my things that got spoiled on lockdown. I was like, lockdown started, I was like, I'm just going to take the case off my phone. And now mm-hmm. I never want to put a case back on my phone again. I, I like it too much. I get it. The caseless phone is really nice. Sorry, we're getting derailed here. I have something else to say about cases. Let me just find the name of the other one. Well, what I'll say before while you're finding that is the, I think one of the things, one of the issues I have with these types of phone cases too mm-hmm. is once you're in on this system, you have to hope that they're going to have cases ready in time for the new phones. Yes. Yeah, that is always a problem. Some companies make that work. Some companies make it work because Apple helped them, like Autobox. So like that's one of the things that actually makes PopSockets pretty cool is Autobox is one of the companies like Belkin, I believe, that Apple give the files to in advance hmm. because they have their cases out really quickly and they always have a PopSocket compatible case. Hmm. And that comes out pretty much at the same time as the new iPhones. And so I would hope that Peak Design can get to that point. But like because they have this whole system, like it's not just that it's MagSafe compatible, they have their own magnetic system, right? They have a bunch of accessories. If mm-hmm. you go all in on this lifestyle, you've got to hope that they if you're if you are a person who updates their phone every year, you've got to hope then that they'll update the cases. They will update them every year, but will they do it soon will you have to put a pre-order down and wait three weeks a month two months you know like that's yeah that's the i think can be the problem with these types of things oh yeah no totally and for me the only connector i'm using is the one for the bike they have like a bike connector that works with this case which is great it's really cool the whole system that they built is very cool and impressive like they have like a wallet that i've seen people really dig yeah so tangents to iphone cases i was just having a really hard time finding an iphone case that i like this year But I really like Peak Designs, and a big reason I like it is because of the little loop on the back for your hand. So for me, it's very comfortable to just slide my ring finger in and then have a a better grip on the phone. Mm. But I'm actually bringing two different phone cases with me. And the other one that I really like is Polar Pro's phone case. I think they call it the Light Chaser. Yeah, here we go. Here's the link for it. Light Chaser. Yeah, it's a cool name. Or I think that's the name of their their different system whoa what is this so it is a just a good phone case but what i really like about it is that they have a like a grip 
that you can put on the outside of the phone and you can put this grip anywhere. It's a little bit like a pop socket, except a million times more secure because it's physically locking into the grip. This web page is really hard to understand what the product is. Yes. Can you explain to me... Because all I, I, I can't understand what you've got. Okay, so the company is called Polar Pro. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons I was looking into them is I've been thinking more and more about some of the Grey Goes Outside stuff. And it's really important to me that I just want to be able to always have a very simple and compact filming setup. Uh-huh. And so obviously build around the iPhone for that. And so the Tesla video that I shot uh, in North Carolina was shot entirely on my iPhone, and I used this case as part of that system. And so it is a case, but it has two key features, one of which is there's an area over the actual camera lenses where you can lock on accessories. So you can either get a different lens to put over the front, which I don't really have any interest in using different lenses. What I cared about is you can also put on it's called an ND filter. Basically, this is a thing that makes filming outside look a little nicer when you're in super bright sunlight. It kind of tones down the light from the sky, but it keeps the ground light and it just, you get less blown out skies. The video can look a little bit smoother. It's just one of these little tricks for how do you make video look better if you want to put a bit of effort into it. That's nice, but the real selling feature to me of this case is that they have just this chunky grip that you can put on the side. Mm. And it was really interesting using this on the last trip because the grip is very big, but it lets you hold the phone much more comfortably like it's an actual real camera. Like if you think about the way Canon and Nikon design their cameras... They have a very particular, almost all of them have like a grip that's on the side in the same shape because it's a very comfortable way for a professional to hold a camera. And this case with the grip accessory replicates that experience as closely as you can of how would you hold an iPhone like it's a professional camera. And I cannot tell you how much I loved having the grip on the phone when I'm using it really as a working device. Right. And there was an unexpected way that I loved it, which is why I mention it for travel. So I ended up using this case on the phone with the grip while traveling, because what I really liked doing is I could put the phone in my pocket, but the grip would just stick out of my pocket. So I could very easily always take my phone out and put it back in my pocket without having to actually reach into my pocket to get the phone. And when you're traveling and you need to constantly show your boarding pass or you're always paying for stuff, like I freaking loved using this grip as just an easier way to get my phone in and out of my pocket while traveling. So this is also one of my recommendations. It's a weird case, but I can really recommend it. Okay, I'm looking at the video they have on their page now, and now I can actually see what on earth the grip is. Mm-hmm. The product photography is not great. Yeah, th- yeah, they're doing that thing where it's it's like when you're trying to check out a hotel and they have nothing but close-up photos of everything. You're like, dude, just show me the thing. They're just showing it in action. Like, I, it's kind of surprising. There isn't a clear photo on their website 
of what the mm-hmm. grip looks like because people were just holding it. So well, I yeah. can't see it. Like, but I see now. Does it have a shutter button on it? Uh, yeah. So there's an option that connects with a Bluetooth. Okay. I personally don't happen to have that one, but you can make it work as a Bluetooth remote to actually start and stop video or to take pictures. Does it have like a loop of any kind? So like it's holding on, you can like attach it to your wrist or anything? Yeah. So that is another one of the features. There's a bunch right. of slots where you can put a lanyard through. And again, like with a case from Peak Design, I feel especially when you're traveling, you want to be able to have a more solid grip on your phone. Like, Mm. again, you're daring the universe to drop and break your phone when you're traveling. And so I do use the Polar Pro case with the lanyard on it. And again, it is one of those things that I thought, "Eh, I don't know how much I'm going to care about this, but I actually really liked having that as an option when I'm using it. Oh, and I realized there's one more thing here, which is that the bottom of that case works really well with another thing that I bring with me uh, while traveling, which is another Peak Design product, which is their travel tripod. Peak Design makes this travel tripod, and I got the carbon fiber one, and it is one of the best video accessories I have ever bought. It's a real full-size tripod, but the carbon fiber makes it reasonably light. It's as easy to travel with as something like this can be. You can set it up to be just a ton of different heights and it's designed to work really well with an iPhone. They have a native way where you can plug your phone in, but the Polar Pro case lets me sort of screw it in and attach it more securely. So again, not not that I do a ton of this stuff, but this is like my version of optionality. I want to have the option to be able to film something with my iPhone if something interesting comes up. And so I do always now want to keep a tripod with me. I keep this um, Peak Design tripod with me. And then I need some way to be able to use my phone as a reasonable filming solution with that as well. And so I was looking into cases. And so the Light Chaser Pro is the best like filming case for an iPhone. Man, I wish someone was doing stuff like this in audio. I know what you mean. Yeah. I wish that there was like a brand who was making a really strong, lightweight microphone arm that I could attach to a hotel table. Mm-hmm. rather than me needing to take this thing with this silly weight on it. I totally understand that. Video is just cool. Video is cool. It also has the ability that you can show off your product in a cool video, right? Like it, It's sort of a, a product that sells itself in that way. I mean, it's also it's aspirational. And also if you're like a parent, you can have this way better thing of catching your family memories. I get mm-hmm. why like it's like a thing, you know? But it just, I wished that. I could have that thing (laughs) in the stuff that I want it in. Yeah, I completely get it. And also the market for travel audio needs is just so much smaller, right? Mm -hmm. It just just really is. It's minuscule compared to video. I know. I just wish there was someone doing it. But I completely agree where the, the audio stuff traveling with it still feels very clunky. I think it will always be clunky just because of the size of the market but Mm -hmm. i mean for me now that trip to north carolina for the tesla stuff was like an interesting test for me of what can a mobile setup be like and on the video side i feel like oh i've totally solved the minimum viable filming solution which is this case and this tripod it's actually it's a funny thing but on that tesla video the shots that are done sort of from the back seat where you can see the driver's seat and then also you can see out the windshield. All of that stuff was done by taking my phone 
and sticking it into the tripod. And I had the tripod in the back seat. I just spread the legs out in this very weird way. But that tripod like lets you have all the legs at different angles and lock them in super solidly. So it's like, yep, I can just throw this thing in anywhere. And now I can mount the phone at a perfect spot to take these like point of view rear seat shots that fit both like the steering wheel and everything out the front window. So it's like, yes, this is great. I love this as a travel accessory. That's cool. I didn't necessarily think about the fact that any of that might have been shot on an iPhone. The whole thing was shot on the iPhone, except with the exception of some of the, I have some dash cam stuff, like the mm-hmm. purely out the front window stuff was from the dash cam, but everything else was shot on an iPhone. And then I think there's two shots that are on my dji the little um pocket gimbal thing but it's basically an iphone video which is also why i made the mistake of shooting it in hdr i was like oh let me try this too and that was a terrible mistake (laughs) no don't do that (laughs) nothing can accept that really very well except just if only you were to watch it back yourself on your own iphone you'd be fine yes exactly but no that was you have to try things and and learn stuff Mm -hmm. setup great shooting in hdr terrible so we're both using the peak design i mean for me these days it's my macbook pro or my ipad mini are the two things that are going in that back pocket like the computer pocket area Mm -hmm. and that mixture works pretty nicely especially because the macbook pro is pretty big uh in all dimensions so having the ipad mini is like the perfect complement for it because in the peak design it basically sits where like a kindle is supposed to go Mm-hmm. Like it's like a very small pocket that's in the top of that area, so that fits in really nicely for me. One of the biggest changes, of course, is air tags. You know, I have an air tag on the backpack, which is just great. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I mean, it's the usual little bits and bobs like allergy medicine. Well, now I have face masks and antibacterial wipes, which wasn't a thing that I had before in my bag. AirPods Max. Yes, AirPods Max. My headphones, Max. and I keep them in this hard case that friend of the show, uh, underscore Widget Smith, uh, suggested to me, mm-hmm. which was... It's, he found it on Amazon, like they found it on Amazon, and I, he came over to the studio one day and took this out of his bag. I was like, what is that case? It's just called Smart Case for Apple AirPods Max. Mm-hmm. And it is just a hard case which covers it fully, but also has magnets built into the case. So it can do like the sending them to sleep kind of thing. And it was a relatively cheap case, and I like that it completely like covers the AirPods Max. But the problem is, it's massive. Yeah. Because the AirPods Max are massive and they don't fold. If Apple ever makes another version of these headphones, I desperately hope that they make them folding. Oh, I'm with you so hard on this. I really love the AirPods Max. I think they're fantastic. I love them. They are my favorite headphones. Yeah. They've just been a real, a real surprising winner how much I like them. And it just kills me how bad they are at traveling. It's just awful. When it feels like that is their entire purpose. I disagree. I think Apple's vision of this is these are the headphones you use in front of your computer. I, like I, It just, everything about mm. them feels that way. I understand that. Or if you're like Federico Vitici and you're someone who just sits in a chair and listens to music and that's the only <laughs> thing you're doing. Like that actually might be their ideal use case is. Oh. I'm mixing that up. That is my entire purpose for them, right? I only want headphones like this for traveling. Otherwise, AirPods Pro is all I want and need. Right, yeah. But I think Apple just wants you to sit down with them and, and close your 
your eyes and listen to some beautiful spatialized audio and that's their vision and i'm like apple please make them fold please it's awful Mm -hmm. i looked at some of the cases for these things for traveling and my decision was absolutely none of them are worth the space they take up it's just too much it is a lot you know what i'm just gonna throw these headphones into my backpack and if they get trashed that's the price i'm gonna pay but i'm not gonna give up like 30% of the space in my backpack for a case for these headphones. Do you see why I want my bag to be a little bit bigger? Yeah, no, I I get it. Right? This is why. Listen, peak design, peak design. If you're listening, here's my pitch for the next version of the everyday backpack you should make. I think you should make an everyday backpack light. And the only thing you really need to change is taking out a lot of the padding that's in this backpack. Because the version that currently exists, the reason it's designed the way it's designed is to protect expensive camera gear. And it just so happens to be one of the most amazing backpacks ever made. But if you think of the use case of a lot of people are using this backpack and they're not worried about protecting their $6,000 lens, Mm. I think if they simply took out a ton of the padding, they could make the backpack lighter and give it just a little bit more space and it would be perfect so that that's what i want like everyday backpack light take out some of the weight and just like five percent bigger would make all of the difference in the world and also if it's peak design are listening just a better way to put a water bottle on the outside of the bag like the little pocket thing that they have right now that that isn't what I want. I want something that doesn't need to, again to be protective or whatever, just like a net or something like way right. more stretchy. Because when the bag is full, I can't get a water bottle into the pockets on the outside. That's my only other gripe with the bag. Like if my bag is like completely fit to burst, trying to shove a water bottle into the side of those pockets is almost impossible. Yeah, for any listeners, one of the reasons why this backpack ends up stuffed to the brim is they've made this genius decision about the way that it latches on the top, where the backpack is very expandable, mm-hmm. but that also then just begs you to keep going. Oh, I can put I can put a little more a little in. More. Like I could more. I could just put a little more in. You don't have a clear of a limit of. When does this bag say no? It's not as clear as with other backpacks. And so you just always end up putting in, oh, oh, just a, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. I, I can have it closer. And, and so you do end up with like this bursting bag. And yes, then the outside pocket to put a water bottle in becomes completely useless as this thing is just bursting at the seams. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful, the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web to generate sustainable, recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. It is very possible that in the last couple of years, your business's financial situation has changed. And what you're looking for is a proven solution that is quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and grow. Memberful handles all of the hard stuff so you can focus on doing what you do best whilst earning revenue quickly while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. Memberful has everything you need to run a membership program of your own. It includes an optimized checkout, Apple Pay, easy member management, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. And Memberful seamlessly integrates to the tools that you're already using, including lots of fully managed integrations with the most popular services like WordPress, MailChimp, 
Discord, and tons more. You can even send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, and there's no additional fee when signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans, so you're going to save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. All of these reasons, and honestly tons more, is why we choose Memberful here at Relay FM to power our membership program. More text. You go to getmoretext.com and sign up so you get that bonus content. That is all powered through Memberful because they give us the ability to create these private podcast feeds so people can sign up. And when they're a member, they get all of the content. If they stop paying, they lose the content. That's a great way for us to be able to manage this program into the long term. And Memberful make it so incredibly easy. They're a wonderful partner to have. And we're so thankful here at Relay FM that they're around. So you should try it out for yourself today. Get started for free at memberful.com slash cortex with no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash cortex. Go there right now and check it out and see what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. So over the last few months, there's been a couple of things we've been talking about with YouTube that I think are coming together a little bit in something I want to talk about today. So mm-hmm. we were talking about the fact that we were tinkering around with the Cortex channel a bit and some of Cortex animated and, you know, we were changing around. Did we Actually, did we talk about this on the show? You're saying that. I'm not sure we've explicitly talked about it. I think we might have mentioned it a bit in passing on Mortex, but no, I, I don't think we ever had an explicit conversation that... Because I have a memory of a conversation that I think was on the show, which was where you were changing the names and I didn't understand what had happened. Yes, I think I think we did discuss that. Yeah, so we've been doing some stuff like making the Cortex animated videos maybe a little bit more clear as to what they were. Mm-hmm. by not calling them Cortex Animated Episode blah, 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 right? Which is what I used to call them before. We actually give them titles now. So they mm-hmm. may be just more like enticing to watch as videos. And then also we've been talking about the fact that you have kind of made the choice this year as part of New Decades Dawn Again, which is your year <laughs> theme, uh-huh. of truly well just embracing YouTube Mm-hmm. and doing more of what that system is wanting from you, which is changing titles and thumbnails and just trying to make that overall wrapping of the videos more enticing to people. Mm-hmm. So while we've been doing that, I've been seeing, you know, like as I managed, we both managed the Cortex channel. As you've been doing that stuff, I've been seeing that like some of these videos, they're really catching on. And recently... We had a video, which is the video uh, which is talking about the working week with Weekend Wednesdays. At the moment, is called like the seven-day week is dumb or something. Yeah. It has now become our most watched video on the Cortex channel, overtaking any of the actual episodes themselves, including episode one, mm-hmm. which episode one would have a lot of views on it for a couple of reasons. One, it is episode one of the show. And also, it's the video that just auto-plays when someone comes to the channel, right? Mm-hmm. So, But now, that video is currently at 179,000 views. The Seven Day Week is Dumb animated video is at 193,000 views, which is, in my mind, unbelievable. Like, it's just wild. And so, with that, I've been kind of like thinking, just poking around, just swapping out the titles and thumbnails every now and then to see if it gives a boost to any of the videos. I've been doing that maybe over the last month myself, just like tweaking them here and there. Mm-hmm. And basically my answer is like, does it make a difference? Yes, sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
And it is the sometimes part that I'm really struggling with. Mm -hmm. So what I can see is that changing titles and thumbnails does have a pretty huge effect on views. For us as well, sometimes weeks after posting. Mm -hmm. And that's really weird to me. Like... We have a video that went up recently, the animated that went up for episode 124, where you were talking about how you love to watch progress bars. And about a week ago, I changed the title and thumbnail on that one. It's now like a, an image of you flailing around and the video is called progress bar disease. And the video views just started shooting up again. Mm -hmm. And now that one is at like 40,000 views. And it was like previously at like 15,000. I think this has been interesting because obviously YouTube knows I'm interested in what's going on on the Cortex channel. So I think whenever you change something, the Cortex animated stuff shows up in my recommendations very fast. Uh, but it's okay. been interesting to see you play with this a little bit. And I really think we have a, an interesting example where the animated episode called Why Is This Still Happening to me is actually the biggest outlier. This is the one that I was going to get to in a minute because it's the one that's gone weirdest uh -huh. but again like as i was saying currently called that's what i think is like an important thing right now is yeah. it's currently called why is this still happening yeah but that one is the biggest outlier by far where at the time of recording it went up a month ago and it's just crossed a hundred thousand views mm -hmm. which makes it the fifth most viewed video on the whole channel and also for listener comparison here, the Cortex YouTube channel has 50,000 subscribers. Mm -hmm. So this has done twice as many views as Cortex has subscribers on YouTube in a month. And unlike something like the seven day week is dumb, where I link to that at the end of my video about Weekend Wednesday. And so like, there's a lot of people we can see through the analytics that are coming through clicking on the end card to, to get that. So that one makes sense. But the why is this still happening video digging around in the analytics is clearly a case of the YouTube algorithm just woke up and decided to show this video to a bunch of people who are not Cortex subscribers. It's interesting and it's also been fun kind of seeing Mike have some firsthand experience of the insanity of the algorithm yeah. and how it can get in your head and you start going, oh, I'd like more of this, please. What are the reasons this happened? Oh, that's a, that's a much harder question to yep. answer. <laughs> that's, I, so like, this is where I am right now. Because mm -hmm. it's the same with the video now currently called Progress Bar Disease, where most of the views are coming from the YouTube system. Mm -hmm. And that one is has just crossed 40,000 views. And that mm -hmm. one went up 19 days ago. And so like it's like a big difference. And just to say, like we changed something. I, don't, I think we changed the title and thumbnail for the Why Is This Still Happening video. It was at 18,000 views or so, and it had been that way for the best part of two weeks. It was just like trickling up. And then yeah. it just exploded. In 11 days, it got like 75,000 views or something. Yeah, that video had been shown to everyone who was interested in Cortex and was over. And then a title and thumbnail change quintupled the number of views on it. Yep. The problem is... I don't know really truly what's causing the effect. Like, even if I wanted to do this to a video, I don't know how to optimize it. Like, mm -hmm. I understand that at a basic level, what's doing it is the title and the thumbnail being different. My expectation is what's happening is it's going to some people who may have already seen the video and they think it's a new one, and so they click it. and it's Or it's going to people that 
have never seen this video for whatever reason and they click it. And it's in those people showing interest, the system grabs it and starts showing it to more people. Mm-hmm. And then more and more people come and view it. That's my kind of like what I expect is happening here. Mm-hmm. But the problem is I don't know how to make that happen. Like I feel like I understand what's happening, kind of, but I don't know how to like get YouTube to grab it. I'll just point out a quick thing looking through some of the statistics so that people can understand this. I think people have the idea in their head, because I think Netflix does this, that changing the thumbnails on YouTube is like tricking people who have already seen the thing into thinking it's something new and watching it. Yeah, Netflix does do this. Right, 100% Netflix does that. But I can say on YouTube, looking at the analytics, the analytics do not support that as what has actually occurred. And so like the video, why is this still happening? That animated one. You can pull up the data and see what percentage of people watching this are new viewers versus existing viewers. And that means not even people who are subscribed to you, but people who just were on the channel previously. And when the algorithm picked that video up, it's almost entirely new people who are watching that video. It's not getting shown to the existing audience. I think people to understand like what is going on here on YouTube for a video that for us now is crossing 100,000 views, the analytics show that YouTube has shown that video 500,000 times across the platform. Like that's these kind of very strange things to understand. Like why did YouTube all of a sudden decide to promote this video to the tune of half a million impressions almost entirely to people who have never been on the Cortex channel before. It can be completely crazy making to think about some of this stuff. So I think there's a lesson that YouTube says that it wants people to learn. And that lesson, I think I would summarize as, you should make videos that are enticing to watch with the combination of their title and their thumbnail. And so we did that with the Cortex animated stuff. Saying Cortex animated and a number was unenticing to anyone who was new. And so that seems like an obvious change. Oh, give it a title that just is a fun title. So this is much more welcoming to people who are new. That's fine. I can understand that. That's a good lesson. That's actually a lesson we should have learned years ago with the Cortex animated videos, but we just didn't like it just didn't really occur to either of us but the frustrating thing is that you can make that obvious change and there is an overall improvement but then within those changes for reasons that make no sense at all there are huge order of magnitude differences that seem to come out of absolutely nowhere in terms of how many people will youtube show this video to like there's a thing in the YouTube Studio app, right? And the analytics tab right now. And it says, keep it up. Your channel got 484% more views than usual in the last 28 days. What is it? What is it that I have to keep up? What if I said, why don't you keep it up, YouTube? You're the one doing it, not me. You keep it up. I am keeping it up. I've been doing it for ages. You know, this channel's been around for years. We've been doing the animated videos for years, you know? Like, you keep it up. (laughs) Yeah, keep it up for the behind-the-scenes stuff. YouTube does... 
they have increasingly started trying to put in these natural language generated sentences around how your videos are doing. And and this is one of those things where you'll log in and they'll say, keep it up. Or there's just so many of these that are are weird and frustrating when YouTube says like, oh, more people are interested in this video than normal. So it is being promoted across YouTube more than normal or like a higher percentage of your viewers are watching this. Like there are sentences that are useful, but never in any way that's actually helpful for like, why does weird random stuff happen? Mm hmm. So how have you been feeling about all of this, Mike? So there's a couple of things. Like one at the moment, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm finding it fun. I worry about like that fun leading into like obsessiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm trying to keep that in my mind. But like at the moment, it's just fun for me to log in and be like, "Wow, we have had 368,000 views on the channel in the last 28 days," which mm-hmm. is just like, "Wow, that's super cool for me." Like. I've never been involved in a video project of this kind of magnitude, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is so cool. This is so many thousands of subscribers and hundreds of thousands of views. It's like, wow, that's like just an interesting thing. And it's also fun to like change a thumbnail and a title and like come back to it in a couple of days and you can see the little chart and it goes, boop. And you're like, oh, okay, that one worked. Mm -hmm. And every time I like, I learn a little bit more, you know? It's like, I think one of the reasons that the thumbnail for the why is this still happening video looks like it's one of your videos. Yeah, I actually, you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I just realized, yeah, the stick figure girls are mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. That hadn't crossed my mind, but I think you might be right about that. I think that might help, but that's not necessarily it because we've mm. had other videos that haven't done that well, but are doing really well. This is the thing. I don't know any of it. I'm just this whole stuff that I'm pulling out of nowhere because I don't get any actual actionable information. Just like this one did good. Oh, great. Um, But what I'm thinking though now is like something that I'm going to do is be more intentional about the thumbnails that we're using. Because the way I've always done it in the past is when you upload a video to YouTube, it suggests some thumbnails for you. Like, I don't know exactly what it's doing to pull out some like screenshots basically of the video as it's uploading them and it gives you three options. And I've always just chosen the one I like the most and go with it from there. Now I am going to actually be taking some images from the, some frames from the video and I will use one that I like and keep a couple in reserve and then maybe swap it out after a couple of days, see what happens. Mm. And that's like part of the intentionalness of it. And the same, like the titles I'm doing, and as you've been doing, similar to what we do with the podcast, the titles of the videos are pulled from a line that's in the video. Mm-hmm. I think by and large, I want to keep it to that too. Because what I'm trying to not do, something I don't want to do is I don't want this to just be like clickbait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to make every single one like we've had a couple like I can't believe this is still happening where it actually says we say it in the video right so like mm-hmm. I'm cool with that I don't want that to be like the you'll never guess oh my god no way like I don't want them to become that because that's just like that feels pointless to me yeah but I want to see if there's like what can I learn about making these things seem more enticing and like similarly with your guidance we've been doing this a little bit more with the podcast episodes uploaded to YouTube where every now and then we just give it a name, like in it's not. It doesn't have episode, blah blah blah. It's just the name mm-hmm. of the episode, which I don't think we need to do every time. But there are certain times where that makes sense. 
mm-hmm. like the one we just put up last time, making the Interstates Forgotten Code. Like that was the yeah. name of the podcast episode, and we just took the number off, and you made a uh, you had like a special thumbnail made for it, and then that worked really nicely, and that video was performed very well, I think, for that reason. Yeah, I completely agree with you. There's always this this question of clickbaiting stuff. With that last episode, we unintentionally made an episode that almost entirely just talked about the behind the scenes of that video and so then it felt like oh this makes sense to have a custom thumbnail on the podcast episode that makes it more visually clear this is related to the interstates so Mm -hmm. if if you've watched this interstate video you might want to listen to this podcast which talks about that video itself but yeah I, i don't think that makes sense to do all the time it just happened to work out very well last time to do with the actual podcast itself and I can imagine there are listeners that are like, but Mike, why? Why are you doing this? So I have two reasons why I think that this is, it could be something that I want to just keep my eye on more and like that the two of us can just keep working on. Now the channel is actually making a little bit of money, mm-hmm. which it wasn't before. Now, I will tell you, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> when we say a little bit. We have had 368,400 views in the last 28 days. That has equated to $677 of YouTube revenue. That is not no money, but compared to how many people have been served ads, Mm -hmm. that's not a lot of money. You know, where I come from in the podcast world, those kinds of listeners would equate to a much, much higher amount of money. Yeah. That amount of listenership in a podcast is astounding, right? And on, on YouTube, it's not. But... That amount of money, like $600 in a month, will go quite a long way to, well, one, funding the creation of the videos, the animated videos themselves. It will help contribute towards that, mm-hmm. which prior we've just been paying out of Cortex brand money. Like we just, we pay our animator out of that. Well, this actually helps pay for that, which is nice. And also just like can contribute towards some general business bills that we have. So it's like, mm-hmm. great. Like this is a not nothing amount of money. Where, like, previously, we didn't even have ads on the channel at all, like, for a long time. Yeah. Well, one, because (laughs) we were told that we were re-uploading someone's content, I think, at one point, which was, like, very funny to me. So, like, we we hit some flag somewhere, but we ended up getting that resolved. Like, yes, our own content is what we're uploading. (laughs) Yes, this does exist elsewhere where we make it. (laughs) It's like, we can or cannot give it to you, YouTube. It's up to you. What do you want? Yeah. And then... Also, I do think that there is a way that this helps more people find out about the podcast in general. Mm -hmm. So I saw this uh, this quote go by my Twitter feed the other day where MKBHD was uh, giving like he was on a panel at a podcast summit and he said more than 50% of our podcast audience comes from YouTube. Huh. And I was like, interesting. So Marquez has a podcast called Waveform, which was at first just a audio podcast then they built a studio and made a video podcast. And then they have like clips and stuff as well that they do. Right. Like it's not just the full episode. They also do clips, which for me is kind of like the animated videos. They're like clips, right? Because there's not really much point of us doing a clips channel because there's no visuals, right? Like I think it helps because they're actually in a studio and recording themselves. Mm-hmm. And obviously we wouldn't do that for some pretty key reasons but also it's just not what i would want this show to be anyway even if you weren't a person who was an animated character on the internet you know Mm -hmm. but we can do this stuff and like as you said we have videos that have a hundred thousand views right and we have fifty six thousand subscribers to the channel 
So there are definitely people that their first interaction with Cortex is one of these videos. Mm -hmm. Maybe they check out some of the other stuff and they're like, well, what does this come from? Or I didn't know that these guys had a podcast together, right? Like, and then they maybe find the show. So that is just like an extra little thing in a way, which is kind of for me, I felt like maybe years ago, like there kind of isn't a way to grow the show anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we'd found an audience, which is a fantastic audience size. Like I'm super happy. So I also was kind of like, well, there's nothing. I don't really know what more to do. I'm really happy with where we are. I'll kind of just leave it there. Mm -hmm. But now this is like, oh, hang on a minute. There is a way to maybe try and get to more people. And it's in a thing we're already doing. I don't have to do any more work or we don't have to do anything extra for Mm -hmm. this. All we need to do is just make the animated videos we're already making just maybe a little bit more enticing to people. Yeah, I think something people underestimate is the difficulty of getting a podcast audience. Podcasts are built on the old school RSS part of the internet, and they're intrinsically harder to grow an audience. I think this is one area that YouTube really should get into and really try to push harder is actually having podcasts much more on YouTube. Like you see more people doing it in the past years. And I think one of the biggest reasons is it does make sense as a place to try to actually get your podcast to people who don't know about it already. Mm-hmm. I think this is interesting. I, I didn't realize that MKBHD put waveform up on YouTube. Also, guess what microphone is in their studio. I know. It's the Shure SM7B. There it is, because uh, it looks great on camera. Of course it is. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Like I click on the thumbnail right away, and it's like, oh, there it is. There's the microphone. Yeah. I really think YouTube should try to add in more features that explicitly work well with audio that people are listening to, even if it happens to have visual content as well. Like I actually think this is a good area for growth because... There's a huge number of podcasts which all want to solve this same problem of where is a place that I can try to reach people who might not already know about the existence of this thing. And and YouTube is one of those places. And it's interesting, like we've done the Cortex animated stuff for a long time. And it was vaguely along these lines of, oh, this can be a good place for people to get an introduction to the show as an onboarding process of like, oh, do you like these animated things? Then listen to the whole show, maybe. But we've only recently been strategic about it. And it's only recently starting to actually show up as an effective thing that, oh, YouTube really is recommending this to more people. Mm -hmm. I also really do have a suspicion that we only recently monetized the YouTube channel as well. And no matter how much (laughs) YouTube denies it, I believe that, sure, the algorithm doesn't directly take into account if the video is monetized about do they show it to more people, But I think that algorithm is smart enough to know if a video is monetized, even if YouTube doesn't directly tell them and it still comes into account. It's more of a benefit to them. Why would they not do that? Yeah. Again, they explicitly deny that monetization status has anything to do with it. And I think this is one of those ways where they are saying a thing that is technically true, but 
it is also true that once you monetize your channel, you're going to get recommended more. Those two things can both be true. And I, mm. I, so anyway, uh, that is also one of my suspicions. It's like, oh, these videos are getting recommended to way more new people than they were previously. That seems to have been happening mm, roughly on like a four month timeline. When did we monetize the channel? Ooh, about four months ago. Yep. <laughs> Just, you know, it's a little suspicious. All of this is kind of funny because it has helped guide my decision making with a project that I've been working on. I actually haven't told you about. Mm -hmm. So Austin Evans and I have been producing a show called The Test Drivers for the last year. Right. And it's a mostly a tech show, like tech news show. And as is normal with many podcast projects, over time, the thing that you want to talk about starts to shift. Oh, yeah. And ultimately, all me and Austin want to talk about is Formula One. <laughs> okay. We've been bringing it into the show and like it's all we want to talk about. About around the time this episode goes out, we were announcing that we are completely changing the test drivers. So we're giving it a new brand, a new name, a new show. It's being called The Backmarkers, and it's Formula One. Oh, that's great. And what we're going to do is we're going to stream on YouTube live after every race. Oh, okay. And it's all going to be video. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. interesting. We will have an audio podcast, but the show's primary focus is video. So we will stream and then we will upload the video afterwards to YouTube. It's all going to be streamed on YouTube and the video is going to be on YouTube. Hmm. And part of the reason we're doing this, one, I want to just play around with this. Austin knows video more than audio, right? And so mm -hmm. we're going to work together on how we try and make this the best it can be. I'm starting to see that like you can get into the algorithm if you play it right and you, you're smart with it. And mm -hmm. I know that our combined audiences for Formula One is so much smaller than our combined audiences for technology. Mm -hmm. So the amount of people that will probably be in me and Austin's existing listenership or viewership that care about Formula One is tiny. So if we actually want to make it something that people can find out about, probably YouTube is a good place to put that content. Because right. the algorithm can maybe get it in front of other people. Yeah, that's totally the case. That you would need the algorithm to help find the people who are interested in Formula One commentary. Yeah. And so I even expect that it will help, say, the people in Austin's audience that care find it as well. Mm -hmm. This is the area that I would like us to work together on, me and Austin. And then I'm like, well, hang on, there's, you know, when we were talking about where we would do this, I was like, well, why don't we just do video? I like the idea of doing a stream after race days. So it's basically a reaction podcast, really. Right. Like we will be reacting to the race we've just watched. And it just seems like a fun thing to do. And I'm planning things a little bit differently. Like we've been working on all the branding and having like video assets made and stuff. And I'm going to maybe try this again as like another project of trying to understand youtube a bit and with the mm -hmm. great benefit of like i have you as my guide for our channel austin is my guide for this because mm -hmm. i don't really know what i'm doing right i'm just like a bear just like lumbering around <laughs> inside of these channels like bumping into things and sometimes there's an effect but like you know i listen to you talk listen to him talk and there's like just a greater understanding about all of this stuff. Austin was like, what do you want to do with the thumbnails? Do you want me to make them? I'm like, yes, I want you to make the <laughs> thumbnails. What do you think I'm going to do? It's just like a picture of me, my thumb up, like, hey, it's a race. 
Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I would strongly suggest that you have Austin make Oh, yeah. I mean, he mocked some up for me, and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, you know what you're doing. (laughs) It's like the titles as well. I was like, yes, Austin, I would like you to come up with the titles for these videos. What is this going to be? I don't know, but this is kind of where I want to go. And also, if I do bring it back to my yearly theme a little bit, because you'd be like, hey, Mike, what are you doing? This is another podcast. I wasn't going to mention it, but yes, it was already running in the back of my mind of this seems like it's the opposite of your theme. Well, we're not continuing with the test drivers. Uh, okay, I see what's happening here. In magic terms, we would say this is card draw neutral. Yes, I understand. Okay, but it's not neutral <laughs> because this show will be less preparation work for me significantly ah okay with the test drivers i'm like looking for things for us to talk about reading articles like i do for all of my other tech shows for the back markers we're just going to watch the race and talk about it mm-hmm. like there's no prep work and the posting work i've got to get my flow down a bit but i reckon i can have the stuff done in like 15 minutes which is no more time than it took me to really get the test drivers posted because i wasn't editing that show because I'm not going to edit the show. The video is going to be a live stream. And what we'll do is like chop the ends off the video and like that will be the video content. I'm not then going to change the audio content massively. We're going to do local recordings so it sounds good, but it's going to be a vastly less edited podcast feed as well. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So the overall effect, I believe, will actually be less because as well, we're only going to record when there are races. And for like three months of the year, there are no races. Oh, okay. So, so you, I didn't realize that. So you legitimately are gaining more time back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just the show prep. Right? There's like, there'll be a, a spell of the year where there's nothing. And, and there aren't races every week either. Mm-hmm. There are gaps. So sometimes they're every week and then they're every fortnight and then there might be a two week break off. So we're only going to record after Formula One races. Mm. So overall, it will be less work significantly. And I think we'll honestly we'll have more fun with it Mm. and I'm going to learn more too I want to learn more about YouTube as a platform okay I can get behind this plan this is much less draw neutral as in draw one discard one of course yeah I know right (laughs) this is much more like draw into exile play until end of turn that's what this is right which is yeah yeah, I know I totally get that I'm really pleased we're on the same page about (laughs) this now I think the thing that's been interesting to see with the Cortex channel is it's been a clear case of just a sudden change with the algorithm really picking up different behavior and showing things in different ways and i think it's interesting seeing you do that as well i'm glad that you're going to be sharpening those skills with austin and Mm -hmm. hopefully you can import some of those back to the cortex channel as well Well, i'm i think it'll be might be both ways like (laughs) but that's part of it for me of like i want to make this maybe a part of my overall skill set Like, I have no desire to, like, take my existing audio shows and make them video shows because I do believe that having a video part to an audio podcast makes the audio podcast worse, which is why I don't record on video with any of my co-hosts for the audio shows that we do because as soon as there's a visual component, even if the hosts can see each other, it changes the way they talk to each other. Yeah, I completely agree. And if you can't see that, I don't think it's a great thing, but like just for this particular show, I actually think video's the way to go. Presumably with something like a sport, there's also things that you may want to just physically show. Yeah, like the, the seem, there's images seems like, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's a much more visual, actual mm-hmm. medium. Mm-hmm. And I do think the disadvantage that the actual 
Cortex podcast has on YouTube is I do think that people on YouTube are still expecting a visual experience, even yeah. if that experience is just two people talking. Mm -hmm. And so you would have that advantage with Austin of actually having the two of you on camera. Like, I think that's a good idea. I think that almost certainly helps also with just retention, that when people click on a thing on YouTube, they're looking at the screen yeah. and they yeah. want to see something happen. Yeah, I bet that harms our videos quite a lot, right? That people click the podcast and it's just a static image. Yeah, this is why I do think there is some place for YouTube to maybe segregate off people who are looking for audio only content it's funny i was actually just recently trying to cruise around to find some new podcasts to listen to and i was very aware like i just i would like some place to recommend oh i don't know based on my listening history what i might also be interested in and it was very clearly thinking like this again feels like a total opportunity for youtube of hey build up a recommendation algorithm around what you know are explicitly podcasts. Anyway, I think this is a good idea. I think this is another way for you to have fun trying to learn more about this, mm -hmm. this platform, which is super important, but also so weird and finicky and hard to figure out at the same time behind the scenes when you're digging through the data. Like, yeah, why do you like this one, YouTube? It's, very hard to get a really good answer to that. Having been on the platform for a while, I now think of YouTube as having algorithm weather. This is just a sanity-helping way to try to think about the randomness of the platform. That there's a bunch of things that you can do to try to help make optimal situations happen, but you're also constantly just dealing with the weather of the algorithm and that is totally beyond your control more than it just being beyond your control there's two versions of the weather there's understandable weather and then there is completely non-understandable weather a recent example i have for understandable weather is i had a video a very old video of mine go totally crazy last month it did out of nowhere an additional more than a million views <laughs> and it it was my video called this video is worth and then there's a number now this is a video that i made i don't know six years ago and i was talking about how the youtube auction system works where youtube does these ad auctions for every single ad that appears on the channel based on your demographics and a whole bunch of information and then youtube splits the money with the creators and youtube takes 45 percent of that money <laughs> anyway this was a video just explaining how that whole system works but all of a sudden, I could see this video was just doing crazy numbers out of nowhere. And oftentimes when you dig around, you cannot find what the source is or what the reason is. You have no idea. But this time, I'm very certain that I know what happened, which is YouTube put out a statement saying that they were looking into creators being able to use NFTs as a new monetization option on the platform. And... I think what happened is that a combination of both YouTube and audience expectations 
led YouTube to believe that this was a video about NFTs, <laughs> right? Because the title is like, this video is worth $6,000. And I think also that people who follow YouTube knew that YouTube was into NFTs or might be thinking about it. So there was greater interest in what might NFTs mean on YouTube. Or just like there are people that have just interest in NFTs in general. Yeah, yeah. Like this is just a thing that's happening, but it 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 started on the day YouTube made this announcement. Yeah, and funny. I don't I just don't think that's a coincidence. No, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then after I'd sort of like found stuff over the next few days I could see there was suddenly a disproportionate number of comments about NFTs in yes. the actual comment. Like, okay, boom, solved Yeah, if you it. sort by newest first, uh-huh. there is a lot of NFT, 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 question mark. <laughs> right. And remind me, this video, the title, how does that work? You're updating it, right? Yeah, I think people think I'm doing something much more clever than I am. Yeah. I'm actually just, every once in a while when I remember, I update that title. So what I want to now mention, though, is... There's a subcategory in this video, which is the non-understandable part of the algorithm. So when this video was doing crazy, I was more frequently going back to update the number just because like, oh, I'm looking at it. I'm right here on my YouTube channel. I can see the number. Let me just update it. And again, I'll remind people that number is before YouTube takes 45% Mm -hmm. of the money. That's the total revenue for the video. But so here's what happens with a video that's doing that many views, you have real meaningful data over what's happened in the last 60 minutes, which YouTube will show you. They'll show you, here's real time in the last 60 minutes, how many people watch this video, where did they come from? And when I would update this video is worth, and then I changed it to $7,248, sometimes the live viewership I would see instantly drop by 75%. Boom. All of a sudden, YouTube stops recommending that video. And the only thing that's happened is I've changed the number in the title. And so I would fiddle around with the number. I would pick something that was close. I would go, oh, okay. Uh, Let me try $7,364. And then, oh, now the traffic jumped by 25% from the previous amount. What is the number? It was one of the craziest examples I have ever seen of the algorithm is stupidly sensitive to something that I cannot understand what it is. But anyway, over the course of a week, I kept updating this number a bunch and it felt like I was playing Russian roulette with the, with the algorithm every time I did it, where it's like, well, let's just see, I'm going to update the number. Oh, traffic just dropped by 30%. Okay. Let me play around with a number in the ballpark until the traffic goes back. And I couldn't figure out any kind of pattern to this. There wasn't anything. It's like, is it odd numbers? Is it numbers that are almost over a threshold, but not like it just seemed completely random to me of sometimes the algorithm really liked the number. And sometimes the algorithm was like, this number sucks. Your video is not getting recommended to anyone. And then I'd have to flail around to try to figure out a number that was acceptable. Just this is the frustration of a lot of the title and thumbnail stuff from the creator perspective is Mm. I get the broad message Make your videos more enticing. 
Great. I have internalized it. But it is also very clear to anyone who plays with this stuff on a detailed level that the algorithm is also way over-tuned to very small changes, right down to the I don't like which digits you picked in your number level, right? Which is hugely frustrating. But yeah, so this was an example of a, of a video that has both understandable weather, there was an event, and also completely non-understandable weather. Hmm. Oh, you better pick a number I like, because if you don't, no recommendations for you.